Welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today, we have a very special guest, Heis Den Butter. He is the CEO of SenseGlove. Now, if you're not familiar with haptics, we're going to get right into this. It's going to be awesome. But before we get to that, I just want to say, Heis, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much. Really pleasure to be here. It's, it's really, really cool what you guys have built. A, a little while ago, I had the opportunity to try haptic gloves and I put them on and I was able to reach out in virtual reality and grab an object and feel that object in my hand. And I can tell you, it was one of the most incredible ways to connect the physical world with the digital world. It was an amazing experience and I'm really, really excited to, to have Heis uh, explain us and walk us through uh, sense glove and what they're doing not only have you built haptic glove but you've built a haptic glove that has force feedback and so when you reach out and grab something it stops in the shape of whatever you're reaching like just explain how you got into where you are right now like where where did this come from yeah i think this force feedback component is indeed the crucial part of feeling in vr because well you can have like haptic feedback like vibro motors and those kind of things but really the moment when you're grasping an object and you feel that there is something that isn't actually there, that is the key moment in, in what touch enables you in VR. And then you can really interact in VR as you would do uh, in a normal situation. Uh, so yeah, with this belief, uh, we started off in 2015 uh, from a robotics group uh, at the University of Delft, Technical University of Delft here in the Netherlands. And we tried to get to make a wearable that is well, doing exactly this, so touch in VR, but was also affordable for every well, professional use case. We started firstly with a use case of rehabilitation, but we then found that this rehabilitation only use case was a too limited scenario. Uh, and that was mainly because of we were on a, a larger business fair called the Hanover Messe. And uh, one of our, our current clients, Volkswagen, came to us and said, well, this training of impaired people uh, could you also do that with healthy people so that they also can experience feeling in VR? And that was kind of the start that we pivoted from a research group that was searching for a quest where their technology could be used in VR to a company called SenseGlove. And uh, that's where we're today. So uh, in 2018, we launched our first product. Uh, that is really a development kit where uh, researchers or R&D organizations like within Volkswagen can test, okay, what does this component of touch add to my virtual experiences? How is Volkswagen using it? I mean, that's a really, really uh, an amazing company. Volkswagen Group owns pretty much everything, Porsche and Audi and BMW. And so... Yeah, as, as maybe the, the, the followers of this podcast know that Volkswagen is quite a progressive company if it goes down to, to VR. So what there are two use cases that are interested in, uh, which one of them is the training of assembly personnel. Uh, inside a VR environment. You can imagine if you are about to become assembly worker in Volkswagen, uh, you need to assemble those cars. The first day on that line is a pretty uh, well, challenging day. I can imagine. Nowadays, you, know, you don't have, well, you have some basic skills. You have, you've seen some videos, but you're just walking in that line and your, your, your task needs to be completed within two minutes. So on the very complex task, what they did, they created uh, like dummy lines or dummy assembly tasks where you basically do these tasks that you don't do on the line, but then in a like more chill environment, there's like no stress at all. But yeah, to create it is quite costly. So they thought, well, we could also do these trainings in virtual reality rather than on this dummy line. 
and they started doing use cases like pick and placing of boxing of boxes and uh, picking and placing of parts but yeah as they were moving on they want also would like to have some more complex tasks added to this virtual training but yeah with these controllers uh, it was quite hard to like if you push on a button and then something happened that's not really a training but really if you need to connect two plastic parts together or need to drill inside a door panel for example yeah that's where it starts to become complicated and the tasks that you need to train so that's the reason why they ask, okay, we need that next level of immersion. We need to have that component of touch into VR. And that's where they explored our option that we are we're offering uh, with this prototype on this, on this particular uh, business fair that we were on. And the other side is, uh, well, if you're in design process and you would like to know if, for example, your car part that you have been designing is actually, well, able to be produced by your manufacturing workers or has the right ergonomics, and nowadays, you just build a prototype, physical prototype, which is a very costly process, and test your ergonomics, for example. If you can do that in VR and can have that similar behavior that a human has inside a virtual environment, yeah, that really is cost-saving for companies like Volkswagen. Well, I'm looking at different pictures on your website, and the website's senseglove.com. Now, these are not fashionable gloves. You're not going to be walking down the street wearing these things. Um, they, they're big blue frame and you look like a little robot, but in, in a research or in a training scenario, who cares? What are some of the other use cases that are people are thinking of? You know, obviously training is an easy one. It's like, it's a no brainer. I need to train somebody or, or check out the ergonomics. What are other, some of the other use cases that maybe you didn't anticipate that people are using this for? A wonderful use case I really liked. We would never would be we're thinking of it's one of the cases that uh, Procter and Gamble did uh, together with, with us, like Procter and Gamble Health, and um, basically they had a idea or of getting awareness of nerve ending disease or nerve ending problems. Well, you can compare this to, to for example, Parkinson, and they want to get empathy and awareness of this particular disease among uh, general practitioners, but also on the general public. So uh, they approached us and say, and say, hey, you can create touch in VR, but can you also create touch that doesn't exist in VR? Um, they said, yes, of course we can. So what we did, we created an environment for them where healthy people like you and I can experience how it is to have that disease. So first, well, you just do your scenario with, without any symptoms, and then you repeat that same scenario with the symptoms of this uh, nerve damage disease. And then, uh, well, you feel some tingling in your fingers. The resistance stops uh, from the glove. So, well, that, that causes that most of the people uh, will drop the object that they, that they have in their hand. And so really, you can get a feeling of how it is to have this disease. And, well, for the general problem, like, this was like uh, meant to, to become like a aha moment. Hey, this is a really extreme version of what I experienced today. So I might need to visit a general practitioner. And also for the GPs, it was a awareness moment of this is actually what my patients are feeling. This is what we're helping them with. I think some of the best use cases of VR and AR technology end up coming from the end users, the, you know, not the people developing the technology at all, but the people that say, oh, this technology is great for, for X. Can we use it for Y and Z? Yeah. We had Oracle, a gentleman from Oracle, uh, Sakar, he actually built an IoT sensor connection between our metaverse engine and this Bluetooth IoT sensor. And then yesterday, the new AirPods have three DOF controllers built in. So they have, they have accelerometers built into them. So somebody built a link between Unity and the AirPods so they can turn their head and it turns the 3D model on the screen. Like 
there's a lot of cool things that you don't think of with that. So let me ask you a question. This came out of TU Delft, which is a technical university in, in Netherlands. Is the IP out of a lab? Is it part of the TU Delft IP library? Is this completely proprietary? Uh, have you raised capital? Maybe talk a little bit about, about that and, and how you're funding this and what your plans are for the near and far-term futures. Yeah, yeah. So I started this company uh, as one of the co-founders together with my former supervisor at the TUDL. So it's really the technology that me and my co-founder developed, although we developed it under the umbrella of the TUDLs. So, uh, well, we have a wonderful system here that uh, you can get the IP as a company and the uh, university will become a, a shareholder in your company. Uh, so that's that's also the reason uh, what happened by, uh, with us. And uh, when we spun out that technology, also we got a uh, convertible loan from the university itself. So we had some start capital to to well, build our first initial product, which is a to me a really good way of developing technology that comes comes out of, of university labs. And there, with that loan, we were able to build our first prototypes and to build like the first stage of the company. And back in 2017, we got some angel funding. We got also like a new co-founder into the more experienced uh, entrepreneur into our board. And uh, last year, so last November, uh, we did our Series A round. So we're a uh, yeah, venture capital-backed startup at this point. Uh, although uh, the European uh, venture capital landscape is quite different from the American. Uh, you mean you didn't raise a $25 million C Series A? No, no, it was not a twenty-five thousand Series A. In a in a European Series A, you have to well, like between one and five million. That's basically uh, a European Series A. Yeah. Awesome! It's so great uh, for you guys to to hear that that, and you're delivering these right. You you have these kits, these these um, developer kits, right? Yeah, yeah. So indeed, what you mentioned, our current product is is really a developer kit. So it's not a finished product. It's a product that researchers, R&D organizations can already test what does touch and VR mean for us. And we especially keep it at a price point that's affordable for every business use case. At the same time, we can learn from our clients. So if, we, if our clients are developing uh, VR trainings, are developing these wonderful use cases like Procter & Gamble did, uh, we know, okay, what to improve. It works both ways. Uh, we can get a little bit of money out of it because we sell these devices. The industry can already test what does touch mean in VR, um, and we get information in order to to build better products for the industry. What you guys have done uh, is you've basically built a system where you can touch in VR, you can touch in in these ex virtual experiences. I think what your your uh, what is it about three thousand dollars for the developer kit? Indeed. And now, how much? Because we've also I've also tried the haptics gloves which must be considerably more money because they come with hydraulics and heat and cold. And like yours is more the simple aspect of touch and force feedback, which I don't know that you need all the other bells and whistles, to be honest, but having not tried both, it'd be interesting to see a comparison. What, what, how would you compare the Sense Glove to the Haptics in terms of performance, uh, feature sets, and then maybe price as well? Where Haptics has as a vision to have touch as close to feeling and reality as possible. Uh, we take the minimal components of touch in order to let you behave natural. So as you do do in real life, that's the whole difference. So it's rather like immersion, but we have versus realism that that haptics has as a vision. For us, basically there are four different ways of digital feeling. Uh, the first way and the, to us, that's the most important way is 
uh, the way how you feel this the shape and the density of an object and that you do with force feedback so the resistance on your fingers in a virtual environment the second way is where you feel textures and that can be done by a simple vibration motor that's also in your uh, in your smartphone so there you can create ideas of buttons there you can create ideas of, of rough and smooth surfaces and then there is a third way uh, and that's where you feel edges and uh, like small roundnesses and, and, and roughnesses those kind of things and that's where you well, there's a term called skin deformation so that's the delta between the pressure that is given on your skin and that is where haptics really is is focusing on so haptics has wonderful technology where they have air pressure bubbles or liquid pressure bubbles. Um, I think currently it is air pressure where they put all kinds of bubbles on your skin and deform your skin. So the difference between our technology and the difference between haptics technology is that with the technology of haptics, you could feel edges of an object and with ours not. That is because we think that that can also be leveled due to the visual aspect that you have in this virtual environment. Sometimes people ask us and say, okay, if I close my eyes, I don't feel I'm holding an apple. I'm only feeling I'm holding a rough round shape. That's indeed what it will feel with a sense glove, because we think that the combination of your visual aspect that you're seeing an apple and you're feeling a round object, that will trick your brain. Hey, I'm holding an apple. Whether with, uh, for example, a haptic setup, uh, you would come closer to the idea of feeling an apple rather than a rough round shape. And that's, that's the difference in technology. Obviously that comes with a price point. I think uh, the, the latest estimation, what I saw is that, that an haptic system will cost you 30,000 euros up to a hundred thousand euros. Uh, I'm not sure where there are at, at this point in the market. And the sense golf is a uh, 3000 euro device uh, that you can buy and plug and play and start using uh, the day after you've bought it. I actually had a really great experience with haptics gloves, and I'm really excited to to try these sense gloves at a factor price of 100 times uh, cheaper, um, at least 10x cheaper. It's a great way for researchers to start to learn the benefits of touch within a virtual environment. I think it's really exciting. How can somebody try these? Um, they can go to senseglove.com and order a pair of these. If you're indeed a researcher or if you have enough budget, it's it's the most easiest way to, to order it via well, our web shop or, or send me an email. Um, yeah, that, that's the most easiest way to try out. It's only like for 3,000 euros, you're already getting started. For some other projects, hopefully when we can do business fairs, again, we're on most of the, the VR business fairs, so like AWE, uh, we've been to Eurohaptics uh, lately. We were on CES. So also please keep an eye on our website where we are. And if really you have a very interesting use case uh, and doubting if SenseGlob is, is the device we could, we always have some devices that we can borrow out. You, you talked about Procter & Gamble. You talked about VW. Is there any other companies that you've seen that they come up with a use case that you went, wow, that is super cool? What, what are some of the fringe use cases uh, for this? The, the, the Procter & Gamble one is, in this one is, is really, is really cool in, 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 in these terms because well, you really experience something that you would hopefully never experience in your real life. We had some some strange research projects where there was typical, mostly on the side of, of having a disease and, and being able to empathize on that disease or overcome that disease in, for example, rehabilitation use cases. But as I'm a very believer of augmented reality, I also would like to mention one of the use cases that a, well, another research institution here in, in Germany did, Fraunhofer, 
They combine SenseGlobe with an augmented reality setup. And then, well, you still have that bulky blue exoskeleton that you see through these augmented glasses. But at the moment, you actually can grasp that virtual hologram that is in, in front of you. And in this case, this was a design of a, of a headlight. You really feel, okay, I have something here. And you really believe also that that augmented uh, yeah, headlight casing was there. That, that, that really uh, is also a cool. So you're in the real world, you reach out, you see a virtual object and you can grab it and touch it. Oh. And, 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 and then your imagination can, can go wild. Eh? So we could have this podcast and have your, have your hologram next to me. We could high five, we can shake hands. Yeah, the virtual handshake. That, that's what this technology can, can bring us. This is super cool. Now, I, I have to ask this now. My mind is like racing on this. Do you guys have plans to miniaturize the technology in any way, shape, or form to make it so that you're not staring down at a big blue exoskeleton? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely one of our big goals. Yeah, with, with force, you need to bring your force to somewhere where it can land on the physical world because otherwise yeah you don't feel any resistance so it will always have some form of, of plastic inside the glove system uh but yeah to be honest uh we are working on miniaturizing uh, our sense glove because this is one of the biggest demands of our clients i i just read an article about diminished reality how basically they're using augmented reality to erase parts of the world. So if you're looking at something, you can actually take it out of the world real time. I wonder if you could just put some sort of tracker, like maybe a QR code on the back of the gloves. So as you're using them, it actually understands that whenever I see this QR code, take it away, take it out of the scene. So all you see is a pair of hands, even though the, it's there is the gloves and everybody in the world can see it. But when you're playing with it, you all you see is a pair of hands, digital hands. In, in VR, obviously that 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 is... Oh, VR is easy. <laughs> but AR is the hard part. In, in AR, that's different. But also the downside of an exoskeleton is, is the weight balance that you have. If you do really, really small tasks, sometimes your exoskeleton collides with each other. Uh, so there are limitations to the exoskeleton besides the visual part of it. So yeah, we're really working hard to miniaturize this. I won't say uh, too much of a detail how we will do this, but expect that uh, from our company in the upcoming years. Well, I'm certainly really excited for the future of SenseGlove and, and haptic technology. Uh, the second I put the, the haptics gloves on and, and had that experience, I was a full believer. And I, I'll never forget that experience at CES where I reached into a fire and it, and it caught me. And these are, these are memories burned into my brain. So I, I believe that using the combination of VR and haptic gloves and the Sense gloves for training, I believe that you can actually start to give people... I would say probably 70 to 80% of the real world training that they're, that they're required. And the, the cost savings are just astronomical when you start to realize what can be done in virtual worlds, especially on things that are dangerous and expensive. Maybe it's running three shifts a day. You can't train people on it because it's real time is running. It never stops. So how do you train people on a line that never goes down? Then they have to learn as they go. This gives them an opportunity for mastery long before they ever step foot in the, in the factory floor. Yeah, indeed. And I think with, with haptic technology, you can indeed bring that real-life realism into VR. And what's key about that is the uh, well, KPI of, of mistakes that people make on their um, well, final exam or on their final uh, first day of work. And I think that's also a really good way of measuring the effectiveness of your VR training. Compare, for example, the amount of mistakes people make on like a real-life training 
compare that with uh, the amount that they make on training with controllers and then compare that also with the uh, training with haptic gloves and you'll see uh, that the training with haptic gloves is more comparable to this real life training than uh, well when you have these controllers nice example here is for is, is one of our clients they were training in vr how to replace fuses in some kind of fuse box environment the action that you needed to do in vr to replace that fuse was to pull a trigger button and then uh, the fuse will came out of the, of the box but in real life you needed to push the fuse turn it a little bit and then pull it out so the guys that were trained in vr with the controllers they, they they knew okay i need to pull a trigger so i pulled the fuse and the first time they did it they actually broke that box because they were trained wrongly but if you would have had a an haptic glove you would really needed to push first then turn and then take out that uh, fuse and you would be trained in a like lifelike situation so that is really where where uh, haptics can force you to have that muscle memory of how the real life situation would look like and that's really what it comes down to. What's the point of building a photorealistic VR training if you're not going to go all the way and train it right down to what you need to do? Well, Chais, is there anything else you want to share with, with the community, with the podcast? How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way is to reach out uh, via, via website, via contact forms. We have dozens. So uh, it will eventually end up in my or, or my colleague's email box. So uh, happy to answer all your questions. But also uh, really try to see where is the haptic, well, where's haptics at this point? Because it's really, at this point in time, it's, I think it's just one to 10% of what actually can be achieved with haptic technology. It's, it's, it's the new field of research in VR. Uh, so we know what VR, what the visual can mean for us. And now it's really time to also see, okay, what is this next level of immersion? So things like spatial audio, things like motion capturing, but also really haptics is, is one of the key features in order to make uh, VR more immersive. And I think we have a product on the market that, that you can today already experience and also think together with us where this new field will go to. I, I thought that was really interesting on your website. Um, you had a, a section where, you know, for the price, for example, you have 2999 euros to buy the developer kit but then 399 euros and you get time with your developers to help build something. That was really cool. So that's, uh, we have for like businesses, a package where we can create your first haptic use case together. So uh, this is really for um, businesses that have already a VR training, for example, but lacking that, that immersion of touch. And then we help you to actually uh, get the sense glove into your virtual environment, into your Unity environment. And we see that this, this, 40 hour development package is most of the time uh, enough to create that first proof of concept uh, for your first haptic training. And also for the other side, for the researchers, we have something on the website called a warranty package. Uh, this, is, this is maybe a wrong term here, but it, it usually is uh, some support from our side that we help you in order when you have like questions on our SDK. Uh, we have developers that, that builded our SDKs and are happy to help you uh, over phone or over uh, like some, some question support here. So yeah, uh, we really want to work together with our clients uh, yeah, to create the future of haptic technology. Well, Chais, thank you so much. Uh, we're, we're so glad to have you on the show. And if anybody's interested in uh, seeing how haptic gloves can really transform their, their training and beyond really, beyond training, it's, it could be anything. Uh, I think 
adding haptics to an ex a virtual experience really does uh, complete the circle of immersion. And when you have that combined with spatial audio and great visuals, it really does create this full package immersion. And uh, I think this is the future of, of learning, of training, and of probably uh, marketing and sales in the future as well. So thank you, Chais, for uh, taking the time with us. Everybody, if you're interested in learning more, you can go to senseglove.com. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll continue to follow up with, uh, with Chais and team. And uh, we'll see what's next in the world of, of haptics. So thank you very much, Chais. Thank you so much, Alan, for having me. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. When that is the end of the XR for Business podcast for today, your host, Alan Smithson. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And if you want to uh, have the transcripts of this, we transcribe all the episodes at xrforbusiness.io. Again, thank you so much for joining us and have a great day. Oh, wait a second. Heis, I have one more question. I almost forgot to ask it. What problem or challenge in the world do you want to see solved using XR technologies? Yes, yeah, so the problem that I would like to be solved is that we're getting away from this 2D interactions in computing. So as we're now typing on a keyboard, as we're now like all, all, always with our face down looking into our smartphones, yeah, that to me isn't really an interaction. Uh, that's just you immersed in, in, in a computer screen. Well, with XR, you finally, well, can get up again and like interact with the digital environment around you like you would do as you would not have any idea of the existence of computing. And that's also really nice as a, as a nice metaphor. Um, we once had the grandmother of one of our founders here, old lady, and she never had done any iPadding or uh, computing before. We put her in VR, we put her on the sense gloves, and she knew how to interact with the digital environment. And if you then sometimes compare it to really like expert computer users where they're used to uh, clicking on buttons and those kind of things who are way too fast for like, let's say, grab grabbing things and expect that that just putting your hand next to something will enable a grasping uh, motion. Yeah, that's really cool to see that, that a grandmother can actually intuitively interact in this virtual environment. But sometimes these so-called expert users are expecting a different type of interaction. So really the, the, the problem that I would like to solve for being solved with XR is that we again come to normal interactions in this digital environment rather than fake 2D interactions. I love it. It's a really great vision. And I think as we move into spatial computing as the new normal, this will be the way we interact. And we're already seeing it with Facebook's hand tracking and it's all coming. And actually, I wanted to give a, a quick shout out to XR Bootcamp. Um, there are partners and they just finished a masterclass on hand tracking and programming for hand tracking. And I think there's a great synergy here where um, they can maybe start to teach how to uh, create interactions using the Sense Club as well. So I'll, I'll make an introduction. Definitely. Thanks. Thank you so much, Gijs. And also, and also indeed, uh, like on the latest Facebook Connect, the, the new name, uh, indeed one of the quests that, that, that they had as well is, is how to interact in this new domain of spatial computing. So this uh, example of the mouse in 2D uh, that was what was given, well, what is the next thing in 3D? And I think that is a, a really nice challenge that we can solve as a community uh, within the upcoming years. Absolutely. It turns out we have uh, built-in mice. We got these things called hands. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>
Well, thank you, Heiss. I really appreciate it. Thank you.